and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and this podcast is sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> uh, it is not, but th- that's, that's a play on words. Because uh, this mm-hmm. week, thanks to the People's Choice Pool, I am rebooting the uh, old 90s CGI cartoon Shadow Raiders, sometimes known as War Planets, but not in Canada, because you can't put war in the title of a children's show in Canada. Huh, didn't know about that. That's why we got Beasties instead of Beast Wars. Okay. I think I did re- did watch this. Okay. Yeah, it aired from uh, fall of 98 to summer of 99, had a total of 26 episodes and, and was... Nah. Had a total of 26 episodes and was loosely based off of the War Planets toy line by Trendmasters. Now let me okay. check if Trendmasters did anything else that I... Oh no, they, they did some toys for Godzilla and Voltron, Gamera, Battlefield Earth, Independence Day, Mars Attacks, Ghostbusters. They, okay, so they did other stuff. But War Planets cool. was a completely original IP, which then got adapted into a cartoon by Mainframe Entertainment, who you will know from Beast Wars and Reboot. Yeah. So the... The plot of the show follows a group of planets known as the Cluster. It's a four-planet system, and they're named Planet Ice, Planet Rock, Planet Bone, and Planet Fire. And you're probably thinking, wow, those are some real unoriginal planet names. But keep mm-hmm. in mind, we live on a planet named after dirt. <laughs> that is true. And they are locked in an uneasy alliance because they all rely on each other in order to like continue functioning, but mm-hmm. nobody likes each other. Uh, yeah. So Planet Ice... Send, sends out water. Well, they send out ice, which is then melted. Uh, planet Fire provides everyone else with energy. Planet Rock has minerals, and Planet Bone has food. Planet Bone is technically a swamp planet that just has like a whole bunch of like fossilized skeletons dotting the entire like surface of the planet. Okay. But I think it's also called Planet Bone because the the main guy from that planet, Femur, is horny. <laughs> ha! Yeah. He's uh much akin to he. He sounds like he's voiced by Danny DeVito. He's not. He was voiced by Gary Chalk, but mm-hmm. Gary Chalk was definitely channeling some Danny DeVito. Yeah. And it's wild because this is the same guy who voiced uh, Optimus Primal in Beasties and Beast Machines. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, he goes from like, oh, freedom is the right of all sentient beings, and Megatron, you can't steal that Energtron. We have to protect the proto-humans, to, I, I'm Emperor Femur, and, oh, honey, the things I can do with that lady over there, hubba hubba. Range, I guess. <laughs> and so the, these, the cluster is stuck in the uneasy alliance with each other, and then one day, a ship flies in from a completely different system, pursued by some other ships. It crash lands in the middle of a standoff between, uh, some troopers from Planet Rock who have arrived on Planet Ice to get their shipment of ice, but, like, they didn't pay properly or something. And then in the middle of it, like, this completely unknown enemy shows up, it shoots down a completely unknown ship that crashes lands on ice, and each side thinks it's, like, a super weapon from the other side, and they start fighting. Eventually, they're able to, like, scare off the enemy. All the Rock guys leave, except for one guy, Graveheart, who is taken prisoner by the uh, Emperor of Planet Ice, King Cryos. And he also, like, they also take the one survivor from the crashed ship, whose name is Princess Tekla. And from Tekla, they learn that she is fleeing from the Beast, which is a, basically, um, well, what's his name? From, uh, from Beast, from, from Transformers. 
Galvatron? No, the, the planet. Yeah. Unicron. Yeah, Unicron. The, he's he's basi- basically Unicron. It is basically Unicron. Um, Mixed with a bit of the Borg, it seems. N- not quite. The, I mean, they definitely have a Borg feeling in the sense that they're all like, every character from the Beast is just an extension of the Beast's consciousness. They're all technically mm. a hive mind. They're not individuals. Mm-hmm. But they don't assimilate people. Okay. But basically, yeah, the be- the Beast consumed Princess Tekla's world of planet Tech because that's what it does. It just eats planets. And yeah. then it has been following her across the void of space and shows up and it has sent it out to its fighters to destroy her so it can ambush the planets. But now Planet Ice knows. So now what happens over the course of the first season, Graveheart and King Cryos eventually warming up to each other mm-hmm. and trying to convince the other planets to like actually take their line seriously and band together to fight against the Beast Planet. Yeah. Uh, the Beast Planet has also taken over a dead world in the cluster known as Remora. Okay. I don't know why that planet gets to be co- gets a name and everything else is like ice, fire. <laughs> I don't know. They ran out of steam after naming the first planet. And <laughs> well, we'll circle back to that for my version. Yeah. So the other characters they have to contend with. Um, planet Ice also has King Cryos's young daughter, Lady Zira. Um, oh yeah, so also they're all distinct species. It's not just humans. Everyone is explicitly yeah. an alien. The most human-looking people are the the citizens of Planet Rock because okay. they look like hu- they look like humans, but all their hair is crystals and they have like mm-hmm. a, a mineral skin type thing. Um, yeah. And to, to jump ahead a little bit, my version is going to be live action. And this would be very okay. easy to accomplish because you just get the makeup on the faces and then put some um, prosthetics to represent the hair. Yeah. Also, um, not the case for Graveheart because he is uh, voiced by a white guy. But the other main person or the two other main people from Plant Rock are Jade and uh, Lord Mantle. They mm. both have black voice actors and they're both very clearly like rendered as equivalent you can tell from facial features and how they speak and everything that they are black people and so one of the first i'm gonna say that everyone from planet rock is black or coded as black yeah uh anyways the people from planet ice they're all big bug people yeah (laughs) they on dv torps page so yeah they got the big bug eyes and they've got like kind of spiky hair coming out they well they have they have like normal mouths but they also have mandibles around the mouths Mm -hmm. so yeah you've got lady zira who's just this cute little moe girl but she is also a bug (laughs) Yep, it's adorable. It is very good. Um, and then, yes, Planet Rock, as I mentioned before, there's uh, Graveheart, who, like, is gets stuck on Planet Ice for enough of the, the thing that he may as well be a citizen of Planet Ice. I think he gets, like, honorary citizenship from King Cryos at some point. Okay. Uh, then you've got Jade, who's Graveheart's ex, and also was his second-in-command. Oh. Oh, no, actually, I think Gra- uh, Graveheart was Jade's second-in-command. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Lord Mantle, who's a harsh and merciless man who believes that Planet Rock is be- the best of all the planets. Fun fact, pretty much all the leaders l- believe that their planet is the best of all the planets. Yeah. But Lord Mantle at least can back it up a little bit because Planet Rock has the Battle Moons, which are, I think there's four of them at the start of the series. They're basically the moons around Planet Rock and they have big cannons jutting out of them that you can cool. use to fire on whatever you want. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and then on Planet Fire... We have Prince Pyrus, who's mm-hmm. like the teen prince who inherited the title of, at a very, very young age, 
Like he's he's only like sixteen or fifteen and in the show, and he's already okay. been king for a good five years. Oh. And he doesn't even have a mom or any other like blood relatives to act as the regent. No, he is the ruler. Uh so he's essentially been raised by the Grand Vizier. Never gets a name. He's just the Grand Vizier. And Grand Vizier is, like, l- deadly loyal to Prince Pyrus. He also believes the Fire Planet is the best one. But, like, he also has a reason to not trust when the the Alliance comes knocking at the door because he thinks they're just trying to take advantage of Prince Pyrus. Yeah. But, yeah, he is basically Prince Pyrus's surrogate father. Mm-hmm. And then on Planet Bone, we have Emperor Femur, who's short, fat, obnoxious reptilian creature who's constantly scheming of new ways to benefit himself. Yeah. Because, yeah, all the all the inhabitants on Planet Bone are kind of like froggy lizard-type people. Mm-hmm. They, they come in a variety of proportions. Femur, Femur is kind of an outlier because he's so so short and squat. Everyone else is, like, a more standard height. Um, mm-hmm. His second-in-command is Pelvis, who's the, <laughs> the royal servant and also very flamboyant. He's, yes. he's a little limp-wristed, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, you know, we love him. Oh, and I, for- I forgot to mention that uh, the citizens of Planet Fire are kind of like flaming skeletons made of lava. Yeah, like they're they're the- not full on Ghost Rider, but they definitely have like the exposed nostrils and teeth and like large eye sockets with smaller embers inside as the actual eyes, and then like just big juts of fire coming out. But it looks like their whole body is made of lava. They've also like usually got their hair equivalent is like these spiky things that sometimes poke out of the sides of their head. Yeah. Kind of gives a bit of a spider crab feel to it. I think I think that's to represent age because if you look at Prince Pyrus, he doesn't have that. He's got normal ears, yeah. but Grand Vizier, who is like clearly older than, has like full on like yeah, like you said, kind of spidery crab legs sticking out the side of his head. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, the, the the designs of the aliens are great, um, and so it would be very easy to do. Planet Rock and Planet Fire, and probably Planet Bone as well. They can all be prosthetics, but I think all the citizens of Planet Ice are going to have to be puppets. Yeah. Uh, there's Obviously, there's going to be a lot of CGI in this. It's going to be a space opera. But I think Planet mm-hmm. Ice, at least try and keep them practical. CGI touch-ups, you know, which everyone does. Yeah. But yeah, so everyone just is, is constantly butting heads because K- King Cryos is like the only one who believes because he sees uh, the Remora and Planet Beast firsthand. Oh yeah, so that's mm-hmm. the other thing is that Planet Beast, like, they take over Amora and turn it into a base for themselves before okay. the beast itself shows up. So at first they think, oh, Remora is Planet Beast. And Tekla's like, no, Planet Beast is the size of the sun and is going to eat us. Huh. Oh yeah, Pla- uh, Beast Planet also has its own commanders. It has Block, Lamprey, and Void. And so Block is masculine and wants to shoot everything, and Lamprey is feminine and thinks that we should be strategic, and Void is just a, a genderless thing. Okay. It's it's the swing vote. Okay. So everyone's butting heads, because King, King Cryos uh, is the only one who's like, maybe we should take the threat seriously. Uh, Prince Pyrus and the Vizier are like, we're not sure if we're being taken advantage of the, the rest of the Alliance. Uh, mm-hmm. Planet Rock and King Mantle, they're all like, no, we're the best. If the Beast Planet shows up, we will kill him directly. And Planet of Bowden is, is like, tries to be haughty, and I think after, like, one demonstration of what the Beast Planet can do, Femur immediately throws everything in with the Alliance, like, yep, you you guys can definitely protect me. Uh, I'm just gonna stand behind y'all. Yep. So, uh, yeah, eventually, Beast Planet shows up by the end of the season. Um, At this point, one of the Battle Moons has been taken out by the Beast Drones, and then I think near the season finale, it loses another Battle Moon. And Mm -hmm. then, but around this time, because uh, Tekla and Zira 
And I think Prince Pyrus ends up joining them at some point too on these excursions. They're investigating like the, these ancient like technology and like teleportation devices that are littered across all the planets. Eventually they find like are able to crack the code and get into the planet core. Oh. And what's inside the planet core? Well, it's not magma or lava or any kind of stuff. Nah, it's an engine room. Because these planets can fly. <laughs> <laughs> They activate the world engines, and these five giant pillars just emerge from the crust of the planets and can launch themselves away from the beast just before it's about to eat someone. Okay, then. Yeah. And so the season finale, like, the episodes leading up to the season finale are basically try and find the teleporter that gets you to the engine on each world, activate the engines, and we're just going to fly away. Like, wh whatever technology did this, it also came with the, like... A sh atmospheric shield so that we don't, you know, lose all of our air and we can survive without a sun. Yeah, because as says on uh, TV tropes, uh, actually moving your planet any, like even a smidgen away from your sun can have catastrophic consequences for your entire planet. Yeah, but fortunately we got, ah, no solar powered force fields and now everything's fine. Totally fine, totally fine. We can totally survive the void of space. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like it's science fantasy basically so they're able to get rock ice and bone flying but fire's engines have been damaged somehow and so fire can't move fast enough so instead they decide okay we're evacuating the entirety the entire population of plant fire onto the battle moons and then we're gonna make this a bomb <laughs> okay entire planet is made of fire bomb to blow up the beast it could work uh, and then in the season finale, they they do that. Grand Vizier sacrifices himself to make sure the detonation goes off at the right time. He does a whole, with my planet's last breath, I spit at thee! Nice. And the plant fire explodes, and the beast is completely unharmed. Well, it's, it's somewhat damaged, and they can get away, but they know that it's going to repair itself and come back. So they have to fucking run. <laughs> yeah. And so season two is a lot of just, like, Dealing with the consequences now that they're flying through space and trying to find something. Now it's now it's a race against time to try and just constantly outrun the beast. And so early on, they find another planet known as uh, Planet Sand, okay. and it is Egypt. <laughs> not not literally, but it's it's clearly like takes uh, inspiration from them, fantasy counterpart culture, and they find mm -hmm. it's inhabited by two sentient races. It has the Sun people and the Sand people. The Sun people are just tiny little people who move about in like mech suits basically and they okay. believe that they are the they also believe that they are the best plant ever and when they also though they their system i guess is just one planet okay they do not have space travel so when the alliance lands is like hi we're from an alliance of planets uh, the leader ramset is like oh yes you must be from another country that's great. Uh, would you like to be my dis uh, like my assistants? And they're like, "Oh boy." <laughs> um also the the sun people don't realize that the sand people are sentient. The sand people are basically wookies um with no mouths and they communicate telepathically. And so eventually the the alliance makes contact with another one of them. Her name is Zuma and she basically becomes the official diplomat for planet sand because the sun people don't even realize even when zuma like figures out the world engines for planet sand and like gets them to join the new cluster as it's rocketing through space the sun people don't even realize that they are in some kind of thing it's only <laughs> the sand people who are like oh there's a giant planet eating monster chasing us okay cool let's go let's do team up with the alliance now the sun people are like wow the stars keep shifting that's wild 
Okay. So I think I think an important change here is to give the, probably not do like explicitly. This is clearly inspired by ancient Egypt. Um, but anything that you want to do with that, associate with it with the sand people. I want the sand people to more obviously be like not colonizers because they didn't come from anywhere. Oh, maybe they did. Maybe we can say that they did. And then they just forgot that they came from another planet. Yeah. But I wanted to make it clear, like I want the, 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 the idiotic sun people who don't recognize the capabilities of the sand people to be all white people. Yeah. I think saying that these are the ancient Egyptians is, is a bad look. Mm-hmm. So no, these are, these are the colonists. They forgot that they were colonists because they've been here for so long. And we can work with that. But yeah, that's my big change to Planet Sand. Okay. In another episode, they find Planet Jungle, mm-hmm. which is entirely covered in a jungle. And they like in their travels through it, they realize that the like all the plants in the jungle are sentient, but they haven't like become motile at all. Okay. And they also discover that the world engines have also been damaged because like the plant growth was too severe and they can't even start or do anything. And Zuma is able to communicate with them and, like, explain to them the jungle, the situation, and the jungle is like, well, the beast is on our tails, we're gonna die anyways. Um, okay, so first off, the alliance is like, there's no sentient life here, we might as well just use this as another bomb, because maybe this time, if we put even more explosives into it, this can stop the beast. Okay. And then, and then Zuma is like, but this, these are sentient life, we can't just destroy them all, and then the jungle plant is like, I mean, we're gonna die anyways, so... Maybe we can do some kind of sacrifice for you. But then they, like, give the a seedling that contains all the genetic memory of Planet Jungle, and they give that to the Alliance, and then the seedling becomes Femur's baby. Oh, okay. It's it's basically like a little Audrey-type thing that Femur <laughs> keeps and is constantly doting on and, like, feeding niblets to. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> and yeah, so then they blow up Planet Jungle when Beast Planet tries to eat it, and that also doesn't work. Yeah. The second season finale sees them come across the prison planet. So the prison planet is a weird thing because first off, it's not really a planet. It's like a chunk of a planet. Okay. And also the prison planet used to be part of the cluster and then it disappeared one day. So in the second season finale, we reach the prison planet and they're like, oh, it's the prison planet. Why does it doing out here in deep space? And uh, some people go down to it and then they get separated and a few people team up with a woman named Julia who looks like she's from Planet Rock, but not because she is, like, all black and white and has, like, a big pair of tiefling horns, basically. Okay. Uh, and then another group meets, um, what is his name? Sternum, who's Femur's older brother and the former emperor of Planet Bone, who was going to be executed by Sternum, or by Femur when he took over, but then he decided, nah, I'll send you to Prison Planet instead. Uh, eventually we learn that Sternum found the engines of prison planet but they're not like world engines they're teleport engines that can just teleport it to a random point in space okay so one thing leads to another the two factions the two warring factions of prison planet team up when they learn about the beast they're able to get everyone off of there and then they use the prison planet they activate the teleport engines and it teleports the beast and all of its forces away and so now the cold cluster is like hey it's great we won we're safe and we can settle around a new star and everything (laughs) will be fine right yeah. And then the last shot of the series was the beast showing up and eating a, a planet Reptazar. Because it's still uh-huh. out there, it's just not in the cluster anymore. Okay. So, that's that was the whole series. There was going to be a third season that would explore like the origins of the engines and the beast plant and all that stuff. But obviously mm-hmm. they never got it. Because 
I, I guess the toy line didn't sell that great. Yeah. This was the most, I mean, I guess Beasties was the more merchandise-driven one, but, like, they probably figured with Reboot, we could get away without that much merchandise. We were really just allowed to do this for the art. Shadow Raiders kind of fell in the middle of that, but it just wasn't quite strong enough to keep going. Yeah. Um. So, oh yeah, the other thing, <laughs> we can't call this Shadow Raiders, because people are going to uh, immediately associate it with Raid Shadow Legends. Yes. So we can use the toy line title, which is War Planets, which is fine. You can put war in the th- title of things now. CRTC is chill now. <laughs> exactly. And we can put this on any of the, like, prestige television networks. We can put it on FX. We can put it on HBO. They yeah. hate HBO. Actually, you know what? HBO, this can be your new Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. They can try. Hey, they might be able to make it compete with, like, The Expanse. Maybe. Or since this is technically a Canadian show, we'll put it on... We're going to put it on the CBC. <laughs> is it going to survive on the CBC? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. It might be, like, something that the Canadian government decides, uh, we're going to have to just give it more money so that the CBC can limp on because this is drawing actual viewers. Ugh. Exactly. <laughs> and hey, you can... I mean, I know CanCon has shifted, but you can definitely get CanCon. I think this mm-hmm. thing actually qualified for CanCon because a lot of the voice actors were... Canadians. In fact, yeah. uh, the voice actress for Jade, Anuka Okuma, I knew her as one of the main characters from Rookie Blue. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I think like under the old rules, you had to have like a certain percentage of cast and crew to be- Yeah, and I think had- they lessened it for crew. Yeah. Or maybe they, they either lessened it for crew or lessened it for cast. Yeah, one of the two. But it's also like, it's easier to get an acting job as a Canadian, I think than it is to get a crew job necessarily, but also, also everything. Okay. I was going to say that all the CW shows shoot in Victoria, but we just found out today that the CW has never made a profit in its life. (laughs) Yeah. Most of those channels actually do run on, on a loss. So you can make money from showbiz. It's just, it's called Hollywood accounting. But yeah, so here's, here's my version of war planets. Uh, so we, first off, we need to establish in the backstory that the alliance between the cluster, it used to be a lot more, like cordial yeah and while each planet could technically survive on its own once they discovered space travel and were able to start communicating with each other then there was the whole trade situation started happening and mm-hmm. they were able to like really expand across each of their planets okay and so like these civilizations never could have been created if they didn't already have the resources available on their planet like there's got to be yeah. some kind of natural food on the planets that aren't bone there has to be some way to get water on the planets that aren't ice etc Planet Fire may not even need that much water. They probably need it for more, like, engineering purposes than any kind of, like, life-sustaining things. Yeah. Like, I'd imagine, um, if we get into a little more hard science, the lava and rock planets are probably silica-based. Yeah. So they probably need... They probably don't need carbon-based shit for food. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, their definition of food, it would be absolutely alien to a human. Yeah. You just on planet fire, you just scoop a handful of lava and go hum. Yeah. Okay, there is carbon in that shit, but like, <laughs> I, their digestive system is probably more just absorbing it into the body itself. They just like to munch rocks. Yeah. <laughs> just love to crunch them. And for the ice planet, if they're going with bugs, well, that's actually kind of doable. Well, they're they're like kind of a mixture between insectoid and aquatic because they also have a lot of like fish type features as well. Yeah, because I was thinking like you know about extremophiles, right? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So maybe like their evolutionary history is that they were that basically the sentient life forms are all descended from extremophiles who loved the fucking cold. Yeah. But with the additional resources that each planet can provide everyone in the cluster, then they're able to really expand across their own worlds. Mm -hmm. And then at some point in the backstory, because we're originally, yeah, it's going to be the the four planets that we know and the prison planet, which is really more of just like an asteroid or like an asteroid cluster that have basically been chained together. Yeah. And you've got Remora, which is, I feel like I want to, I won't really want to give it a different name just so that it fits. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not the dark planet, the void planet, the dead planet, because it doesn't see Planet Shadow? Yeah, Planet Shadow there. And then they can be like, oh, it's it's the dang Shadow Raiders trying to like steal the ancient artifacts from Planet Shadow. <laughs> but basically it can be like it was already uninhabited, but there was a whole lot of like, oh the ancients, the precursors. There was like a whole bunch of like to- oh, what if we called it Planet Tomb instead Yeah, call it Planet Tomb. Because there's like a whole bunch of like ancient technology there, or theoretically there's ancient technology, there's a whole bunch of ruins, but Mm -hmm. no one can ever like get that deep into it. Um, Yeah. Basically, at some point before the show begins, someone makes some kind of discovery there, like a a really major mineral deposit or some kind of energy source, and that's what starts the planets kind of fighting each other, not Mm -hmm. for their own resources, but for anything that they could find on planet Tomb. Yeah. This is the battle that would lead to the king of planet fire dying and Sternum being deposed as emperor by Femur. Yeah. And Femur, like, the the only way that he can possibly hold on to his throne, because he definitely got it through a suspicious means, the only way he can hold on to it is if he agrees to send Sternum to uh, the prison planet. And we could even say that, like, Sternum was mostly liked, actually, by a lot of members of the Alliance. And then when Femur yeah. deposed him, the only way that... Actually, yeah, how about this? Sternum was actually well-liked, and Femur deposed him because the only way he could potentially keep his throne is by framing him as, like, someone who did a, a huge bad thing. We could say that he framed him for the murder of... Hang on, no, hang on. Let me let me rewind. I'm getting too many ideas in my head. Okay, okay. So Femur wants the throne. Femur is able to get the throne by uh not taking out Stern because Stern's still alive, but he's able to like manipulate some kind of weird law in their monarchical constitution mm-hmm. that puts Femur in charge instead of Sternum. And Femur wants to execute Sternum, but the whole alliance is like, we will immediately turn on you if you execute Sternum because we actually like Sternum and Sternum was trying to keep the peace. Mm-hmm. And so Femur's like, fine, fine, I'll just send Sternum to Prison Planet instead. Um and then may- I'm thinking maybe later we can find out that Sternum like did actually deserve to be deposed because maybe he's the one who killed the fire king in the first place yeah but nobody knew that because he was such a great guy which is like also the show as well like he he shows up and he's the hottest lizard you've ever seen (laughs) and even even jade is like okay day maybe there are maybe there are hunks on the bone planet after all yeah but yeah so that all happens in the backstory and so that's what causes like diplomatic relations to start breaking down between the clusters so that when we start the show proper everyone's at war with each other and oh yeah like the actual fight over planet tomb could have resulted in the whole thing just being blasted all to hell and so now no one goes there because there's nothing left yeah and so then the the first season would follow pretty much the same is that the beast and shows up starts like building a base out of Amora, so everyone has to fight back uh and and everyone's butting heads with each other as well Uh, eventually they have to sacrifice planet fire to get away but they do find the engines and they all fly away yay 
Season 2 would also follow a similar line in that they find Planet Sand, they align themselves with the Sand People and Zuma, they find Planet Jungle, and all they can get is the one little seedling, but they can't get the World Edges to start, so mm-hmm. that d- doesn't, like, that goes off, and then it doesn't work, just like before. Yeah. And then the finale is the same, where they are able to finally find the Prison Planet, and they, like, reincorporate all the people off the Prison Planet back to their own planets, and then they use the Prison Planet to teleport the thing away. Except this time, instead of going, yay, we defeated the Beast Planet, they're like, wait, what have we done? We've doomed another planet. Yeah. We gotta figure out a different way to defeat these guys. Yeah. But what we could also do is that we can have, like, it's it's a scheme that Sternum thinks of, mm-hmm. and they'll be like, this will be great, and then, like, everyone slowly realizes, oh no, we're gonna, like, doom a completely different system if we just send the Beast Planet away instead of still continuing to try and destroy it. Yeah. So, like, at the last minute, a group of people, and it can be, like, the, the 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 good leaders who were trying to keep the peace, it would be like Graveheart and Cryos and Tekla, they mm. all jump onto the prison planet. We'd have to have some other people too. Um We need someone from Fire. We there's really only a character from Planet of Fire after the Vizier dies, except for like uh one of the captains of the guard who we don't get any information on. Well, we could turn him into a character. <laughs> we could turn him into a character. We could also flip him because we never see women from Planet of Fire. Yeah. So, let me check that person's name. They were... Captain Blaze. So Captain Blaze is the captain of the Igneous Knights and Pyrus's personal guard. So we could actually make Blaze uh, into a chick, and then but maybe this is where she first gets any kind of character, is like a scattering of people, a, a platoon like jump back onto the prison planet right as it's teleporting away so that they can stick with the beast planet wherever it lands. Yeah. And so that, But then we're left with like the most head-buddy of people, Mm-hmm. And the the most level-headed people left are going to be Zuma and, oh god, Femur. <laughs> I don't know, maybe Femur's had some character development? Yeah, at this point Femur would have had character development, but everyone is still giving him a side-eye. Yeah. Uh, but this is this is going to be the half to point where, like, so Lady Zira has to step up and become the acting monarch of Planet Ice, and so at this yeah. point now it's Pyrus giving her pointers. And, you know, maybe some kind of relationship blooms between them because they're they're only like three years apart in age. Yep. And fire and ice and all so that. So we could we could also even just age Zira up. Mm-hmm. And yes. Oh, yeah. Fi- fire and ice. <laughs> <laughs> it works so well. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking about the fact that they're the two teens. And yeah, so we the third season, this is going to be the one where we discover like where beast came from where the plant engines came from and also naturally we discover some of the planets too mm-hmm. um so season three would start with the the platoon that like launched themselves onto the prison planet they show up in a new cluster with a, a new set of planets and they immediately just jet off there fly to planet reptizar which is inhabited probably by a bunch of lizards mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> And they're like, wow, where do you come from? And they're like, we're from space, and there's a giant thing gonna eat you. And they're like, okay, what do you want us to do about it? Well, fun fact. According to everything we've discovered, I guess every single planet in space has a giant engine inside it. So some people should be asking questions about this. Like, why do we have these engines in here? Yeah. Um... And then I'm thinking, because Prison Planet had something else, like, inserted into it, then maybe Reptazar has something else inserted into it, too. Like, maybe it has a big gun. And I'm not talking, like, the Bald Moons. I'm talking, like, a really big gun. Yeah. <laughs> but that does mean that, like, it cannot move. 
And so yeah. if, if it can't continue to hold off the beast, then they're going to have to find a way to navigate to the other planets in mm-hmm. this cluster. And hopefully they have enough room for the refugees. And also some of them have world engines too. Otherwise, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're kind of in trouble. Yeah. Also, apparently, I forgot to mention this. In season two, the beast plant recreates Planet of Fire, but like, I don't know, it's all made of dark matter or something, and the whole thing was an attempt to bait everyone back so that it could eat the people again. That seems cruel. Yeah, well, it's cruel. It's kind of a satanic archetype, except it's yeah. the size of the sun. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the only reason, like, that they are able to resist it at the end is because it creates the Vizier, like, only knowing that the Vizier at some point mistrusted the Alliance. So Prince Pyrus is trying to figure out what's going on and why the Vizier doesn't have any of the character development he did. And he's like, wait a second, you're a trick. And the Vizier is like, yep, I am a trick. And now everyone's going to be eaten. Okay. So yeah, that was just a one episode thing. But they could play into the idea that, you know, obviously these... Planets with all of this stuff, they're not forming naturally. They are being built. Okay. And we could even say that like it's not it's not happenstance that the planets have only come across other planets with these capabilities. There like in the show there is an AI that can like plot out courses and like directions that they're just kind of following and they can't even really communicate with it. All they know is that oh well the planets seem to know where they're going. Shrug. Okay. But clearly whatever force created all of these planets has them connected in some way so that they can communicate with each other. And so I'm thinking maybe another one of the planets in this new cluster, at its core, it has just like a giant signal array that can go way across star systems. And that's how like halfway through the season, they can finally get back to the remains of their original system. And, you know, maybe the original system has got issues going on too, because maybe at this point, the the remnants of the beast have figured out how to start their world engines on planet tomb so now this thing is catching up and you know it's not going to eat them but it's still severe if they wanted to they could just launch a whole planet into another planet they they're not technically alive so they don't care about uh collateral damage (laughs) okay (laughs) and so eventually they would determine that like there was some kind of ancient it's it's probably going to have to get real grandiose it's gonna have to be like oh the the beast plant is a god a physical god and so naturally there has to be some like counter there was obviously some kind of counter force that was just as powerful that was making these building these planets in the hopes of fighting off the beast and you know maybe some of the inhabitants of it were essentially seeded Mm -hmm. by them and they could like maybe the original cluster if they're backtracking they find the quote-unquote original planet that yeah. the san- the sun people came from before they managed to get away and c- colonize planet sand, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe it's just called planet sun because it's it could be a planet stuck between like a binary star system and so there's yeah. never night on it. It's always just like going between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it didn't suffer from that one story uh, binary sun trope where like once in a while there is an eclipse and everybody goes insane. You know, they're all idiots. So. <laughs> I wouldn't blame them. No, what Maybe would happen? The- what would happen is they go, they colonize planets, stand like, ah, this is a great place, and the sun sets, ah! <laughs> and then by the next day, they've all forgotten that space travel is real. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're able to communicate between the two clusters. Um, 
and you know maybe they're lucky and they're able to find a way to move the, the planets that don't have working world engines like i i don't i don't know how like it'd have to be maybe there's one planet that just has like the really really powerful enough engines and it can use magnets to attach itself to the other planets it's planet magnet okay i mean l- listen we can get real weird with the kind of people that inhabit it it could be it could be planet magnet. It's inhabited by energy beings. We never had anyone that was like, "Hello, I'm a dude made of electricity." It's just a bunch of just a bunch of electric wireframes walking around with like a cluster of mag- magnetized stone in the center. Mm-hmm. Listen, Princess Tech is from Planet Tech, which is inhabited entirely by like living robots. Okay. She looks like a sexy C-3PO. Yeah. Oh, so she can be our seven of nine. Okay. I mean. She, she, it's not like she has to learn what emotions is. The, she already has feelings. She's I I know. It's just the look. Yeah, she's immediately hot for Graveheart. Mm-hmm. And I. Th- I mean, we can tr- we can make Braveheart very sexy very easily. He was already very sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just need we just need the beefiest man. Yes. This is, you know what? No, this is definitely Jonathan Major's role. Yes. Hey, John, we're going to stick you in a lot of makeup and then give you some blue, some sapphire dreads. Yeah. And this honkin' big gun. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be like that one scene from the second Aliens movie. (laughs) (laughs) One of the, one of the soldiers from Rock is definitely the kind of guy who goes, game over, man, game over. Yeah. And you know what? My comment about the Beast, they, they don't really have a Borg vibe. They it's not quite aliens, but I guess it's like the whole black kind of... I wouldn't say like they're gooey. It's just... I don't know. Maybe not xenomorphs. Maybe more like the predator aliens. Yeah, they have kind of a, a little bit of a predator feel. The thing... So the other thing about the beast plant and the beast drones is that they're all made of like this black and red just kind of energy. And yeah. it, it's like... It's like basically dark matter. And like you can only like defeat them if you shoot their center chest piece. And they mm. essentially deactivate. Yeah. And then Block and Lamprey are simply like particularly powerful drones that were given their own personalities. And Void is an even taller drone. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what other planets can we stick on the, the Season 3 cluster? We have Planet Reptizar. We have Planet Magnets. What other... At least two more planets. Well, there was a... Did you talk about the water planet or... Okay, so Water Planet was a planet from Tekla's original system that yeah. they can like. She describes it to when they get to Planet Jungle how they also tried to convert the whole thing into a weapon in order to defeat the beast, but it was never strong enough. Okay, uh, there's Julia, who is a crystalline alien who crash landed on the Prison Planet. Is she originally from the Rock Planet, or so? See, I mentioned she looks like she should be from Rock Planet, but she clearly has some kind of different physiology. So, mm-hmm. what if Julia's original planet is in this cluster too, and it can be planet crystal? Yeah. And hey, you, you know what crystals do is they they resonate. They're good with signals. That can be the planet yep. that has like the their world engine is a big communications array. Yeah. Uh, maybe one that's a gas giant. Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah. Um. There's a theory that um, basically, okay, so putting this into two parts so one part is to become that jupiter truthers <laughs> one part is that uh gas giants like jupiter were like they're almost like stars and the way that they work it's 
thought that like if you don't have a star they kind of have enough heat and gravity and potentially light to kind of act as a quasi star so maybe there's a plot point where like these atmospheric um shields over these planets m- there might be issues with them they they might after some wear and tears start to fail and all that and lo and behold here comes the plasma planet and they can provide the heat light and energy that they need to sustain themselves for the long term plus i don't know the aliens are like energy aliens yeah well hmm, let's let's see let's let's play with this because they could they could also be energy aliens but i think it'd also be fun if they were like the because the other theory about like if there is life on a gas giant is like they're all kind of gas bag species sort of mm-hmm. so i never played mass effect i don't think you've ever played mass effect no. but i know that there is one species on mass effect called the hanar which are basically floating jellyfish yeah so we could have like that kind of race on that planet and instead of it being Maybe they call it planet plasma. Maybe they just call it planet wind because it's always yeah. got these strong winds going. It's like it's a yeah. much more traditional gas giant like Jupiter. But I do like the idea that their world engine is basically a big battery. Yeah. That it can store a lot more energy than the other planets can, and it mm-hmm. can also like immediately send that energy to other planets. Yeah. And maybe that's kind of like the keystone. It's like, oh, we we use we channel the energy of the planet magnet, which is the only planet that has world engines that can move it channel mm-hmm. that through planet wind and we can use that to basically drag planet reptazar and planet crystal with us yeah and so instead of it being like just kind of like a, a, or everyone orbiting each other as they fly through it's more like a convoy yeah <laughs> it's like that one uh, uh i guess it's a gif of like how our solar system moves yeah. Where you have like the sun and then all the other guys. It's like a drill. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what the original cluster is like. But then this one is just a train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, and you know what? This could be the uh, if this isn't the end. Maybe the end game for season three is they're able to get these planets moving, and they're also able to avoid the beast. And then yeah. season four is like searching for the last, the, searching for the last equivalent of the beast planet. Whatever yeah. created these original planets, try to find it and figure out if there's a way. Because, ne- hey, now we have, if we have basically two systems heading towards the same place, hopefully once we combine all of our forces, that can do something to us. Yeah. And technically, I guess technically that have the, pr- maybe like the, the finale um, is trying to get the prison planet back mm-hmm. because they realize, oh, if the beast figures out how to reverse engineer the teleport engines, it can just go anywhere it wants immediately it doesn't have to like drive itself through the void of space so that they are either able to get the prison planet back or they just completely destroy it probably destroy it because teleport engines a little bit op yeah it is and now it's just everyone trying to drive themselves as fast as they can towards the probably the center of the universe or the center of the the galactic core we'll say yeah they get to the galactic core. They find the ancients, which uh, they'll, they'll probably look a lot like the beast drones, except they're oh, they're they're the nice colors. They're all white and gold and stuff like that. But they're still very like energy beings made out of dark matter. They they have all the same powers as the beast, but they're like that we in in the creation of the universe, we were two halves split 
of you know light energy and dark energy and we all we wanted to do was create things and the beast just wanted to consume things so we tried to create planets that could fight back yeah the season three cluster was our first attempt because the whole thing is like a chain reaction between them that could potentially power up the big guns that planet reptazar has uh but it was never strong enough because the beast like was constantly devouring everything in its past. And most planets can fight back against the planet eater. So, you know, excuse me, it was very easy for it to become stronger. Yeah. So instead, we just kept on creating other systems that at the very least could flee. And we got to a point where we were just hoping that they could meet each other. Yeah. And now that you're here, like, hopefully you can string all your planets together enough to channel enough energy into the Reptazar cannon and finally obliterate the beast. And then you know they would. Yeah. One big planet-shattering kaboom. Exactly. And and then they're able to, you know, it could be that, like, that final blast is what finally ignites planet wind, and so they get everyone off of planet wind, yeah. and that, but then that gas giant becomes their new star. Yay. And so they all kind of fall into orbit with it. They set things up enough so that, like, even though it is now at how, how many do we have? We have four from the original and then another three were added on. So it's mm-hmm. a seven planet system, but they, they set it up enough with the orbits that like they can all be very close to each other. No, no, no one is so far away that they don't get any like actual, they don't suffer from being too far away from the sun. It could even be like some orbits are crisscrossing, but because they've got the engines, they can steer it properly. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, fucking traffic, <laughs> traffic cop, but for planets. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's the space part. And then the, like, the other major part would be the opera, which is just all the interpersonal issues, the butting of heads. The butting of heads, the butting of egos. There's probably various plots and all that sort of stuff to deal with. And also the romance. The romance blooming. I don't know whether Graveheart should end up with Tekla or with Jade. Maybe they form a polycule. We shall see. There, there was an episode in season two called Girls Night Out where it's, Jade, Zuma, and Tekla all go to the bar that's on one of the battle moons. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, clearly there's some kind of bonding moment that happens there. Yeah. So at the very least, Tekla and Jade can get along, and then they decide, we're going to share you, Graveheart. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I guess that that's the through line from last week, is once again, space thruple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when in doubt, space thruple. Yeah. Uh, and then Prince Pyrus and Princess Zira would get together. Mm-hmm. Um, Femur would probably end up with someone from the new cross. Oh, what if Femur ended up? He- Femur probably wouldn't end up with Julia. Honestly, Julia would probably be an arc villain because she- <laughs> she's just constantly trying to undermine everyone. Yeah. Julia would be like the, the Starscream. The Starscream kind of. Maybe Planet Crystal is the only plant that was able to develop space travel of the season three cluster. But then she, yeah, she just immediately crash lands on Prison Planet and decides I'm going to be the queen. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe it wasn't even space travel. Maybe their prison, their execution system is we're going to put you in a rocket and launch you into the, into space. <laughs> is there anything out there? We don't know. <laughs> so then the, the off part of season three, uh, would be like them trying to be, make first contact between all these planets in this cluster. Um, whereas, and then the other half in the original one is like basically trying to avoid a civil war. Like, this is definitely the point where Lord Mantle decides, oh, so all the people keeping the peace have left? Great. 
I am now trying to force everyone, all, all the fire plant refugees, off the battle dune. Where are they going? I don't care. Leave. Yeah. And that that would have to be the point where Jade finally like puts her foot down and says, like, Mantle, you are the worst ruler, actually. You are not caring about the people. I care about the people that serve me. And it's like, that's, that's not what the ruler is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that would be great if Graveheart comes back is like, Jade, I found four, three, I found four new planets to help us. And Jade's like, great. I'm queen now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There was a duel for the crown or something. Yeah. Like, I can't remember how Lord Mantle ends in the show. Um, he is eventually killed by Block after the Beast Plant invades his planet. His funeral is later made, but his deception is kept a secret. Otherwise, it would de- demoralize the Alliance. Um, I think, no, I think his deception needs to be made public. Yeah. And this is, and everyone's concern is like, what if this just undoes everything? What if this is a repeat of everything that happened before the show started with the, you know, the war for Planet Tomb? Mm-hmm. And once again, we just start fighting each other. And so then it's Jade has to work with Jade, Femur, and Pyrus, and oh no, you know what would happen is Jade would turn to Sternum, because Jade would still trust Sternum at this point. She would even maybe consider him, like, okay, well, if Graveheart's going to be with Tekla, maybe I can get together with Sternum, because he, he got those pecs. He got that butt. He got a, j- a jaw that can cut glass. Yeah. <laughs> and she turns to Sternum for help, and so then it's like, Femur has to work with these feisty teens. It's like, we need to overthrow my brother <laughs> again. I, I never told anyone, but the reason I overthrew him is because I couldn't prove it, but I'm pretty sure he killed your dad. And Prince Star's like, what? Sternum killed my dad? That sucks. Major bummer. <laughs> Golly gee. <laughs> gee, Emperor. And so then, yeah, so the finale of season three is they're able to overthrow Sturdum, who's trying to basically, uh, trying to overthrow Jade right after she has overthrown Mantle. Yeah. And, and then meanwhile, everyone just trying to escape from the beast on the other side of the galaxy, and they're like, great. Wagon train to the galactic core, try and get to the season, series finale. And then they do manage the series finale. Yeah. And we can even show that everyone's working together and happy now because we can have a thing where it's like, like before, no, there was no like outposts or anything on planets from other planets. But now it can be like, oh yeah, here's the um, the embassies from other planets, and here's like small communities popping up all over. There's a lot more like interpersonal interaction between all the various alien species and all the planets because we're yeah. working together now and we like each other. Yay! Yay! Uh, and you know what else would be really cute is if like. Shortly before the series finale, they're able to retake Planet Tomb from the Beast, and yeah. then uh, Femur deposits his his baby seedling onto it so that it can like eventually grow. Like if we have the distant finale, this one year later, we can find out that the seedling has grown a new planet jungle in the remains of Planet Tomb, and it's also like made a point of cr- creating more like humanoid versions of itself so that it can keep the plant engines running on that one instead of like g- growing over them in case they ever need them again. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're gonna feed. It, it truly is. I've just realized we're gonna defeat you with the power of friendship and this gun I found. <laughs> I mean, how else would any other soap opera re- or space opera rewrite work? Yeah, yeah, exactly. How, how else do we end this? Yeah, but yeah, that's that's War Planets. Yay! And now, since 
Since we can't be sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends, here instead is a friendship promo. Diane, this is Agent Delaney. We finished investigating the howling waller beast of Bog Valley. Its venom sacs were paralytic, but it was a wonderful kisser. Diane, Agent Bishop thinks that psychic from Montana who tried to take over my body might have damaged the part of my brain that perceives time. Now I'm not sure if it's lunchtime or Tuesday. Diane, been watching that new show Friends very closely and have determined that I might be a Phoebe. Agent Bishop is definitely a Monica. And Ross is a parasitic blood demon that the gang should exercise immediately for their own safety. Uh, who are you talking to? Don't worry about it, Monica. You are aware there's no tape in that recorder, right? No. No, I took it out earlier, like- Why it's... are you touching my things? It was a full tape. You've been doing this all day. What exactly are you doing, anyways? I was just telling Diane about The Weird, an actual play audio drama that you can listen to at jointheweird.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're doing a meta thing then. Okay, cool. I see, I see what it is. I'm going to go back to paperwork. Yes, you do that. Such a Monica. Diane, I thought the goat man skull I keep in the office and started whispering. So, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. It's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you f- nah. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first and they're pronounced <laughs> Um, you can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and how awesome your spaceship is. Your volumousness. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot, I forgot that Pelvis is always saying that to Femur. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Pelvis and Femur should get together. Yeah. <laughs> I almost see them like the two main characters from the birdcage now. <laughs> no, no, but I would love it. I would love it if Nathan Lane was playing Femur. Yes! <laughs> La cage are bones. The bone cage. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you can email us to send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or a proof for us to read, but either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or YouTube or even your DeviantArt. Not if I repeat you first as a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. Our cover art, as always, is by Alex, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and his contact info is available upon request. This podcast is, is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands, the Cree, Sotol, Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. So, Lindsay. So, Tanner. Next week, we have a guest, and their hint is... And I quote, realistic stock gunshot noise. Oh. I, I considered editing that in, but I didn't want to spook any listeners. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so just, that's true. Just picture your favorite stock gun sound effect. And that's the hint. Boom. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs>
Alright, we'll, we'll shoot that shot next week, but not if we review you first. Bye.